Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. This week, my guest is Ben Searle, a very dear friend of mine, talking about Dude Ranch by Blink-182. Um, ben and I have done a number of these podcasts together over the years and talked about a lot of different things, and I've been on podcasts that he's hosted and things like that. Ben is a great stand-up comic based here in Melbourne. Check him out on all the things at Serlo and check out all his stuff that he does. Um, we had a fun chat about a Blink record that Ben loves a lot that I remember from being in school and um, everyone who I grew up with that listened to punk liking it. So it was fun to chat about it. Um, we made a video for this as well that's on youtube you can check that out if you want to see us talking about this video is only the first part obviously this audio thing is the full unabridged version but if you want to check out me and ben talking in my kitchen go and have a look the first one i've done face to face with someone since i started doing it again so it was very exciting and very fun to do that with ben um also for this podcast you're hearing the fantastic sounds of me recording this on a Rode Procaster through a Rodecaster. Thank you very much to Rode Microphones for giving me the opportunity to chat through this cool new tech of theirs. Sounds great. Check it out if you like doing podcasts. Dope. Um, otherwise, please enjoy episode 108 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with Ben Sell talking about Dude Ranch by Blink-182. Fucking brutal. Solo, thanks for doing the podcast. No worries, Aaron. How are you going? <laughs> Good. We're uh, really going for it with this new tech. Thai tech. Thai tech. <laughs> We're in the future. We are. Streaming, YouTube, TikTok, the whole lot. All that. Um, all right. So, well, we've done obviously many of these together in the past. Mm. First time talking about a record though. Um Dude Ranch by Blink-182. Yeah. It was like one of my favorite albums growing up. Yeah. And yeah, I guess I, I think it was definitely like the, the album that like introduced me to, to punk stuff. And it kind of came along at just the right time. Yeah. And I think I, I, like since it came out, have read that, you know, Australia was like one of the places yeah. that they were big outside of, like they're almost big here before they were big. Well, that was like, in the so States. Yeah. like all good um, podcast research, I conduct all of it on Wikipedia. Yeah. You went on <laughs> blinkfans.forums, <laughs> just lurking the archives. Yeah. But it like the, the note on this, again, according to Wikipedia, following moderate sales of Cheshire Cat mm. and growing popularity in Australia, they got signed to a major label. Like... I, I mean, first part of that I like as well, following moderate sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you ever listened to Cheshire Cat, but it's pretty rough. Yeah. Like, I think they recorded it in like a day or yeah. something like that. So it's very punk. Yeah. And this, I think, is... I was I was listening to this this week, obviously preparing yeah. for this, and I, I think it was like a bit rougher than I remember it sounding. 
Yeah. Maybe just because, you know, since that album, they've obviously done, like, it's just crazy to think, like, I was sort of tossing up whether we do Edinburgh of the State or this. And, like, if you listen to the production value, like, Dude Ranch is, like, still a punk band, still pretty rough, Mm. but it's polished. It's, like, studio polished. And then Edinburgh of the State is, like, next level again. Yeah. And then I think Take Off Your Pants and Jacket is, like, it's, like, the epitome of, like, punk, punk pop. Punk pop punk punk <laughs> pop, pop punk records. Yeah, it's like it yeah. sounds so slick, and it, yeah. then that becomes like the blueprint. Yeah, for every band after that. Kind yeah, of thing. I think that that record, like you, like the bass tone on "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket" is just like fucking sick. Like, yeah, it's so good. But obviously, that's when the tension started to come in the band. Oh yeah, and they're like, it's got to sound like this, and they're obviously like a fucking huge band then. Yeah, well, and I mean, I think the, the other thing too, so. Again, like this record for for how sort of raw it sounds comparatively to like all the things that come after it. Mm. This is now a platinum selling record. Oh yeah, like, big time. At the time, obviously it wasn't, but like because of everything else, it's just you know grown and grown and grown. I mean, but I think like just reading through, thinking about the band, like my connection to them, I think probably came from you know, hearing the songs from Enver of the State. Like, mm. I assume most people of, you know, that came from metal versus, you know, coming from punk or whatever. My introduction to them was through TV and, you know, yeah. and the radio. And and I, I actually only realized that recently. Yeah. Because I, I, I assumed people kind of knew Dude Ranch just as much as they knew Enver of the State. Yeah. And I was thinking about this on the way here because... I'm sort of jumping into the middle of the album here, but there's a song called Waggy on there, yeah. which I fucking love. It's yeah. like a great song. I, I, that's the note. I think that's the best song on the record. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, um, a friend was having um, a, a birthday party at the Rev. Mm-hmm. Um, Beck, can't remember her last name right now. <laughs> It'll come to me after this. Apologies if you're you're watching this. Um, uh, And it was like she put a call out, like people who who wants to do like live band, we're doing karaoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, waggy. Yeah. And two things I realized. I didn't know the lyrics as well as I thought. (laughs) (laughs) And not many people know those those B-sides to that album. Yeah. Because obviously the the hits off this album are Damn It and Josie. Those, Those were like... Uh, that's how I discovered the band. Those songs got played on Recovery and Rage and yeah, things like sure. that. Um, and yeah, but the rest of the album, I don't think is as well known as no. I thought it was. Yeah, And like, but I mean, yeah, that was the note I made. It was just like, again, because I've heard this record obviously before and I've heard, um, you know, like, as you said, like, I think I got introduced to them through the Enver of the State songs. Mm. But then I went to high school like everyone else. So I heard... Everyone playing "Damn It" on mm. Yamaha C40 <laughs> acoustic guitars, <laughs> and like, um, but I, I guess I didn't really click on to the other songs from the record. And I heard Josie as well, obviously. But yeah, like listening through to it, like I, I, I mean, I just thought like the waggy the like the vocal harmony is mm. just as good as any of the other choruses. Oh, big time! Like the guitar harmony on it's just as catchy as any of the other songs on it. Like. Well, the one thing I was wondering about, I was like, oh, I wonder if they're 
because it was Josie and Damn It, and I don't know if there was a third single off this album. I think it said that there was, but like it didn't go. Like it, yeah, because it, they I, released the single, but like no one cared. Yeah, I, I thought maybe Waggy might have been it because I could yeah. see that working because it's like mm. oh, it's like you know fun, fun, and then uh, we're a bit serious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that that was like. I didn't realize, I mean, I, I know this obviously being that I know the band, but like, like the band was being taken like, so, um, I, I it's a funny way to word it, but like seriously being taken as only a joke band, mm. like that's what the major label, like the major label considered them kind of like a joke band. It was funny. That's why people liked it, but the band themselves like didn't agree with that. Like they were like, no, this is serious. But then like another note on Wikipedia for it was um, that the label basically let them do whatever they want. The only time they stepped in was to stop them from recording a spoof of the Macarena. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was, and I was just thinking like, imagine being like in your twenties and being like, we're serious. We're going to do this serious, but. But, And, uh, like there's skits on this album as well. Yeah. Um, which I guess like later on Blink still did skits in their albums. Yeah. Like I think off that Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, like that was a like real serious album. Yeah. But there is still that song, I Want to Fuck a Dog in the Ass on it. Yeah. Like. And yeah. like, and they released a live album that's essentially like just fucking around, right? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah. It's like a lot of it is just skits them talking shit between songs yeah which i guess is you know that's why people like blink 182 yeah as well like they took the band seriously they wrote good songs but they also were those kind of fuck around guys those cali kind of guys because you know i remember watching a like a little follow along with uh tom delong yeah um obviously talking a lot about aliens all that kind of stuff but just driving through those old californian suburbs and yeah, those guys were just so a part of that. And I guess that's why it translated so well to Australia. It's like, yeah. you know, surf culture, it was very similar to what was happening in Australia at the time. Well, that, and I think that was like the biggest thing on there was like um, with saying like, the, you know, the, the growing popularity here was like fueled by them being funny live, mm. which again is something that like, I mean, that, that was like when I exist hit its stride was like, that's when we realize like, oh, our band is better when our band is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, our yeah. band is white. People like our band better when like they're laughing at us than, <laughs> than taking like the stoner song seriously. Or oh, whatever. Well, it's, I, I, I wonder if like, I, I definitely remember, I saw them at festival hall and that was like a big part of the show as well. It was just like, yeah. oh, I'm seeing these guys being funny in real life as well. Songs are great. It's awesome. Yeah. Like it's all it's it's like the experience that you wanted after watching like clips of them live on TV shows and stuff like that as well. It's like, yeah. That's what people go for, I guess, but maybe not so much now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and uh, like I think as well, maybe you know, I think this is where their how they perceive themselves or how they want themselves perceived maybe that's what comes into like Tom DeLonge I guess the big thing you know the fact that he and again like I'm not a blink aficionado so maybe I'm I understand Mm. this incorrectly but I mean as far as I understand he's essentially not doing the band because he wanted to like pursue (laughs) research into aliens 
And I think as well, he wanted to be that serious guy. Yeah. And it's like, well, he was such a fuck around dude. Like, you know, it's such, uh, I guess he kind of wanted to be Bono or be that U2, like big mm. stadium rock sound. Like you listen to that Angels and Airwaves, which they did afterwards. And yeah. it's like, uh, this is someone who takes themselves real seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who went from, you know, trying to do a spoof of the Macarena. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess you got to do what you got to do, I suppose. I mean, I think the other thing too, like another song and like we, last night when we were coming home from, went out for dinner with Duck and she was like asked, oh, put on the Blink record you were listening to today and I put it on. She was like, oh, my favorite song is the Star Wars song. And you hope, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, again, a serious band mm. taking themselves seriously. And that, that song is also like quite... It's like a love song. It's a love song where yeah. it's like he dedicated it to, you know, his love for Princess Leia. Like, <laughs> I mean, they, they were that kind of band, I guess. They were kind of yeah. like nerdy guys who are into that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, and I think I think the thing for me, like with the record too, is like you can really hear, I think there's part like a lot of parts in it where you can hear that it's a band trying to get to like the next level. Mm, big time. Like particularly like um, the singing. I think the singing is the biggest thing that, sort of defines that on this for me is that like you can hear that they're trying to sing mm. like way better they're trying to do better with the harmonies tom delong's voice is still like hasn't quite found it <laughs> at this point but and i think yeah you know whenever mark is singing that's the song that's like mm. got the big drive behind it but like i mean that that must have been another thing too that was like i guess for a band that got so popular so quick and i guess this is kind of the turning point i suppose for them yeah and i i guess it is also in the turning point that this is the last record with scott rayner yeah on drums and then i think he was kicked out of the band um yeah like had, right had, after the right after it came out or something yeah he had like i remember reading a while ago that had some issues with alcohol stuff like yeah. that it was booted from the band and then Obviously, Travis Barker came in and sort of it was like a very clear like, oh, this is a different band now. Yeah, and yeah. The sound is, you know, I guess, you know, Travis Barker is his own industry now. Yeah. Famous Stars and Straps. Uh, <laughs> big Diamond F5. Uh, it took uh, off after that. Yeah. Which is such a weird mesh into the band as well. Yeah. Like that Cali kind of. Uh, what do you even call that? Like, oh, it's almost like that rancid kind of yeah, influence yeah. and stuff as well. Which, yeah. Because I, I think the band, like they were definitely influenced by bands like like that song Waggy and there's another song on the album called Emo mm. as well, very influenced by like Jimmy Eat World and stuff yeah. like that as well. So I, I think those guys definitely had this very specific influence and then obviously Scott departed and I think he wrote a couple of songs on this album as well. Yeah. Um, he might've even written Waggy. I'm not hundred yeah, right. percent sure about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely like, Oh, this is yeah. A band that, cause I would say that Enema of the state, they were a big band. Yeah. But then, for sure. but then, but then they've just got bigger and bigger and bigger since then. And yeah. I guess kind of tape it off yeah. when they, the whole split up thing happened. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other thing too is like, well, certainly this stuff gets to a point as well where there's only so there's only so much more you can get to with this kind of music. 
I mm. suppose. And then uh, again, I like, I mean, I haven't heard their more recent stuff, but I assume it's like modern pop punk stuff, I guess. Well, I was thinking about this, that uh, for me, the Simpsons and Blink-182 are very similar. <laughs> okay. Whereas they're, they're, I like love them both a lot and yeah. still do. But I only really there's more probably more songs from of Blink One Eight Two now that I don't know yeah, than I yeah. do know. Oh, for sure. Which is and I was sort of wondering about whether I'm gonna go back and listen to those new albums. And I mean, I'm absolutely not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, you're not gonna subject yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the other thing too is with stuff like that as well is like there's no um, like it's for a different time, I suppose. Like mm. th- when you like a band, you don't, you don't have to like a band. You don't have to like every record of a band. You don't like anything. But at the same time, like even like some of my favorite bands, like there's, they lose me af- at a certain point. Like, yeah. well, you're talking they- to someone who has a Descendants tattoo <laughs> on their forearm. So, um, which I don't know how long that's going to stick around for. <laughs> well, you're lucky. It's pretty easy to, you know, big black rose there. Yeah. <laughs> Huge Panther. You're all good. Yeah, but every now and then it does give me some credibility where I'm like, ah, I'm stick around, gotta keep it. Uh. <laughs> um, my other big memory, I think, of this, I don't know if it's of this record. I mean, certainly it's of this time. Was that for like a four year period in school, everyone in school who liked pop punk or skate punk or whatever had the skanking bunny shirt. Oh yeah, I remember drawing that. <laughs> from memory um and and someone said did you trace this and and i hadn't <laughs> so <Man>. that bunny <laughs> that's, like the, that's the biggest compliment you can get in school <laughs> yeah that i didn't try something i i have that bunny shirt somewhere yeah like obviously i'm 20 kilos away from fitting into that thing <laughs> but it's somewhere at my mom's house it's but, a goal you can shoot towards yeah that. i mean I, but i loved that t-shirt it was yeah fucking sick and i'm pretty sure it was just like a uh, Croydon market. Oh job. yeah, classic. So not an official bit of merch. Absolutely not. And I yeah. think like everyone that I know that had it was like their parents took them on holidays to Sydney from Canberra and they bought it at Paddy's Markets mm. and everyone I know had it. The colours were different. The shirt itself was a different colour. Like no one ever seemed to have the same version of that shirt as anyone else. Does that like, still exist? Like buying band shirts from market? I like, mean, it would have to. Like, could we go to, like, Caribbean Market in Roeville? I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Scoresby, maybe. Scoresby. Uh, deep Melbourne, out of suburbs cuts here. So for anyone who's not from <laughs> Melbourne. But uh, that would be, like, yeah, a wall of, um, like, Slipknot shirts and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it does exist. I'm sure maybe the bands have changed. Like, mm. I mean, probably Slipknot is still on it. There, <laughs> you know. Still big enough. Still big enough. That graphic art hasn't... <laughs> Hasn't been superseded yet. Oh, no. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think like that was another th- a big thing. And I think as well, the the other thing for me that was, I didn't, I, I sort of didn't realize, I think the first time I heard Blink, I didn't realize that they were like kind of a more legit punk band at one point. Mm. Like I, I guess coming into it, hearing like the big, the biggest songs of theirs, my assumption was that they were kind of like a produced a band that was produced for that purpose. Like, yeah. Like what was happening at the time, like pop music that was happening at the time was, which obviously they go on to make fun of in music videos, but Mm. like 
it was boy bands and stuff. That was what they were up against, really, I suppose. Yeah, and it's it's funny to think, like, I wonder if those guys ever thought, uh, you know, that's going to happen with our type of band yeah, and yeah. stuff as well, which I guess it has always been like that because you've got bands like the Sex Pistols and things yeah. like that. But, I mean, this is sideways. I watched a YouTube video about Papa Roach's Last Resort the other I night. I watched the same one. Yeah, so. and <laughs> I don't think I realised how much they were, like, pushed. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and they were trying to, like, really make it. Mm. And it was... Yeah, kind of crazy to see because I guess that song came out. I just lumped it in with like Limp Biscuit and stuff like that. Yeah. And I didn't realize it. And I guess maybe Limp Biscuit to a degree were the same. Mm. But um, yeah, I think Blink-182, yeah, they kind of still had that credibility, that punk cred that they, yeah. you know, obviously just, it was just touring. And I guess touring was such a, it's just so much more impressive to be a big band back then because it's yeah. like you obviously... Well, you, it, you had to do more than just be on the internet. Yeah. Essentially, you know, you had to actively, I mean, and that, like even the, one of the last episodes I did, I was talking about, like talking about new metal bands, I guess is similar, similar time, similar, you know, era, I guess of, of music and their, like their popularity came like solely from music videos. Mm. Like that's how they got popular. And like the dude who made them, you know, their most popular music videos, like pretty sure he was the showrunner for the OC <laughs> and made like um, the Charlie's Angels movies and stuff. Oh, um, McG. McG, yeah. Wild. Yeah, and he directed all like the very big corn music videos. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me. Like, yeah. Because uh, my housemate Mikey and I, we... Mm-hmm watched a documentary about MTV the other day. Yeah. And like, you know, MTV is solely responsible for music videos going in that direction. Yeah, yeah. And just being these big produced things and labels were pumping so much money into music videos because, you know, that that's what's, you know, you could be a big band on mm. MTV if you had a good good video. Yeah. Um, so I can definitely see, I guess why they went down that track or why labels push mm. them in that direction because they're already a popular band. They made funny videos, which people wanted to watch. Yeah. Like I remember early internet using like dial up and downloading the damn it and Josie video clips. <laughs> like, uh, like this is even pre Napster and stuff like just yeah, off yeah. the back end of someone's website <laughs> just so I could rewatch them yeah, yeah. on my parents' uh, computer. I mean, I talked to someone about that a while ago, how, like, I think what I actually use those old world downloading stuff for was not for music. It was almost entirely for music videos. Mm, big time. And I think part of that came from, you know, the my childhood years living overseas and having MTV mm. and then moving back here and having five TV stations, <laughs> which didn't have it. Oh, I mean, it had it like twice on the weekends or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was like a way to keep getting that stuff. And obviously, I mean, the other thing too, is like those, those, um, you know, those shows weren't playing metal or punk or hardcore or whatever, or really like, I mean, they'd play the alien ant farm, smooth criminal music (laughs) video. Um, but they wouldn't play this stuff regularly or like, you know, the videos later on. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then. Or unless like someone hosted Rage and did a, you know, yeah, did a special or something. 
Yeah, I think it, like, I remember, I think maybe Blink hosted Rage one time and, yeah. like, watching that and going, like, oh, there's, like, a whole bunch of stuff I can listen to, yeah, like, yeah. from this. Uh, you know, no idea how to get any of it except <laughs> order it in from uh, Gaslight Music in a city. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's, I, I guess it, it's interesting, like, uh, realizing that, like, oh, Blink, I'm a big fan of Blink. Yeah. They're a big band. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And thinking that, did I really have any, like, any say in being into this band? Like, I was like, a yeah. bit of an alternative person. This is... Yeah, the, it's like you're in the perfect age bracket for this yeah. genre. Yeah, it's like, well, you know, the, you didn't have access to all this different stuff, so of course you're going to like Blink-182. Yeah. Because it's the most, like, interesting and kind of thing that's playing at the time. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think probably, I think the the cross section point for this band is, is like, being funny, so you know, teenagers fucking love yeah. it. It's a part of the same you know, culture as like skating and surfing and all mm. that. And then on top of that as well, it's like incredibly catchy oh, and becomes like hugely popular anyway. Um. I think the, the the funniest thing about a band like this is that they go from songs like this on this record, which some of these are pretty like like pretty raw and pretty straightforward, like skate punk, like not as poppy. I think that that I was really surprised by that listening yeah. back. I don't think I realized that oh they hadn't quite gone down that route of having more catchy songs just yet. Yeah, and. I think obviously that was pushed way more on the next album. Yeah. Either by themselves or by the label. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to sort of hear that, oh, there are actually some kind of, yeah, like you said, raw songs on this album. More, well, like, more than I thought. Yeah, yeah. And like the, the song Boring is like a very, very much more just like, I mean, that's like a cool guitar riff. Like mm. it's not just where all the other songs that are, you know, when it becomes very popular, it's very simple like chord repeat chords with a harmony over top of it. Mm. Whereas like that song's got like an intricate guitar riff happening, which quite, I mean, kind of interesting too, because that, that's not to say that, you know, eliminates things like that because damn it has a, a, a riff, I suppose. Yeah. Um, well, you don't think of them as, you know, a very technical band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it's maybe a bit surprising that they are. And, I guess it probably maybe it was a bit overshadowed when Travis joined the band yeah. because of, you know, how much of a sick drummer he is. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, without Travis, we don't have his drum covers of uh, Superman by <laughs> Soldier Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and guesting on a um, The Game song mm. and has now essentially just become like a hip-hop producer. Yeah. Making like, making pop punk cool again via Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> well, that, that it's so funny listening to that Machine Gun Kelly album. Yeah, because it's like, oh, this is Machine Gun Kelly was just like, I want to write a Blink One Eight Two album. Yeah, and those he 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 could only be twenty five. Yeah, where whereas I I'm assuming it's more of a like nostalgia thing for him. Like you know, no, not not his own nostalgia, but like trying yeah. to like replicate whatever that was yeah yeah like in the same way that 
someone like our age would be into the Smiths or like a bit yeah. younger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were, I saw there was a bunch of like, you know, internet chat this week about a, I don't know if it's a Spotify playlist or it was like a, I can't remember what it was. I Actually, the meme I saw of it, and again, I don't know if it, it was a meme or if it was an actual picture, but it was like someone made a cover and it was um, like one of those now CDs and it was now um, dad rock. <laughs> but all the songs on it were like some 41. Yeah. And like Avril Lavigne and, and then the, you know, the, the chatter about it was like, Oh, this is like old person rock music now is mm. sub 41. <laughs> <It's> fucking brutal. <laughs> Man, those people on the internet just don't let up. <laughs> Getting absolutely rinsed here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's interesting that so, like that that's where it's got to where like, and even, um, I mean, obviously this is part of who Travis Barker is, I suppose, but like doing, doing that um, Nirvana cover thing with Post uh, Malone. Yeah. Which is like pretty good. Yeah, it is. And like that watching Post Malone plays those songs and it's like, oh, it's actually like, you can fucking play these songs. Yeah. Which is, you know... Not just a face tat rap <laughs> guy. Not just a disgusting face. He's, <laughs> he's something else. Um, so with with this record, like, was this for you a record that kept you kept, like, coming back to over the years? Or was this one that was, like, the intro and then you left to find everything else? No, I, I definitely keep kept coming back to it because I guess over the years, like, I, I guess it was, like, Blink were just never a band that, you know, I kind of ever thought, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a Blink fan anymore. Yeah. Like, I think I've always kind of liked them or, or liked those albums. Like, I, yeah. I still can listen back to those songs and, like, enjoy them for what they are. Um, yeah, particularly, I, I think it's interesting, like, the songs that I think have dated more are the songs where they take themselves too, too seriously. Yeah. So there's the album... Uh, I think it's self-titled Blink One Eight Two, and it's maybe the album, the Smiley Face One. Yeah, yeah. Which is that's when they kind of lost me, mm. and I definitely had that album and yeah. enjoyed it. But yeah, I, I think those songs I listened back to them not too long ago, and were like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like they were trying to be too serious, and it doesn't quite yeah. work. And that record as well was like a. You know, that was like a full release on Triple M kind of record. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like time. Pop, the popular world had taken them from mm. punk music, essentially. Well, it's, it's interesting that you brought up the bunny thing. Where yeah. it's like, I've seen lots of people with that smiley face. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's just bad graphic design. I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't like it. Like, yeah. It's just like, I, I remember like, you know, seeing that. And being like, oh no, I'm I'm like an old school Blink fan. Like, <laughs> like that's not me. Yeah. Like even though I you know listen to those albums, and yeah, I think since then, yeah, I couldn't name a song off any of the albums after that. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And I I think the other thing for me too is that I think because so much of the the older stuff was like so big in school mm. and so like like I said before like. Again, in a time where, mate, like it wasn't really on the radio, or I wasn't listening to the radio that it was on, at least, mm. that the stuff that I was hearing was like just getting hammered. It was the same five songs getting hammered by 
the 10 punk guys at my school. Yeah. Um, and I mean, cause I think there, there's like, and there's a couple other songs that fit within that, that are a bit more like legit, hmm. but like, I mean, I remember like, I don't, you know, again, coming from like a metal background and getting into hardcore bands and things like that. I remember the first time someone was like, oh, you got to hear Linoleum by NoFX. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. Mm. And then it came on. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard this song like 400 times <laughs> in my life. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, I didn't quite like I was never like a massive NoFX fan. Yeah. So, I, so I would say that those bands are kind of, you know, they are connected, mm. but I was never, I didn't quite go down that, that yeah. route, which was, I would say like, you know, it was more punk. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And maybe a, like slightly before my time. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I guess like you were saying that just Blink was like the right time, right yeah, place, yeah. right time. And I would say that everyone, yeah, it's sort of a bit weird to me when someone's a Blink fan and they're not the same age as me. Okay. Whereas, because I kind of think, oh, they're from this time period. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you go and see them when they came here? Yeah, I saw them at Festival Hall. Mm-hmm. And I think I might... Duck was talking about that last night too. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I, I caught up with a friend of mine, uh, another comic, Matt Stewart, mm-hmm. and he's a bit older than me. And we were talking about Blink-182 and he said he saw them at the Palace. Okay. Which must have been... Must have been surely, on the, the surely, Dude Ranch tour. Yeah, yeah, surely well before Festival Hall. Yeah, whereas I... Yeah, and, and I think maybe they played... Before that, they played the corner a few times, maybe because because wow. upstairs at the corner, I'm pretty sure there is like a a poster, a blink poster, yeah, and I th- right, or even a photo of them playing or something, something like that, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I think yeah, they must have been coming out here a bit, and that's maybe when we had more of those type of festivals, yeah, like it would have been we had Warp Tour here for a bit, yeah, and what was a big one in Sydney, um. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Um, so I'm guessing they were just out here. Well, and I think a lot. I, I feel like um, I don't know. Correct people can correct me if I'm wrong. Mabel's just joined us now. Fucking hell. Um, what do you got to say? What do you think about Blink Two's <laughs> Dude Ranch, dog? Um, but I'm pretty sure, like. Again, I could be incorrect, but I thought the first time they came here was to open for Frenzel. I'd love to know if that's that's true, like, and which, like which would make sense, I yeah. guess. And maybe they weren't, like, maybe it was another band and then Frenzel and then Blink. But, like, mm. from memory, I, I've at least made it up in my head that there's a poster somewhere where, like, Blink-182 are the, like, plain font band at the bottom of a poster underneath Frenzel Rom, mm. <laughs> which is, you know good on your frenzel but like that's in the scope of where that band goes on what that band goes on to be that's crazy like well i think they i think there must be a poster somewhere where it's like blink is the headliner and then um maybe body jar is the support yeah and yeah i think i went more on that kind of like blink body jar like they they, were that kind of started like those bands kind of came around at the same time. Yeah. But I think they had like the same influences, like descendants yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think the other thing too, 
I suppose with a band like this, it's an interesting one in having this conversation in that there's so much featured on that Wikipedia page about them, about like how Australia was like so, Mm. like such a huge part of them getting big um, that there is like a, you know, like again, as, as I said before, like everyone I knew who like listened to punk in school was like playing Blink on guitar and like they were you know, love this band, uh, you know, like there was those bunny shirts everywhere and things like mm. that. Like it, it, see, it seems so interesting to me that like this band of all of those bands were the one that kind of kicked off here. Like, yeah. And I, and I think that does happen from time to time that bands are yeah. just bigger here. Like, I guess a lot of those old punk bands that still tour here, like Lagwagon and stuff like that. Yeah they're still popular here and are not popular in the States anymore. Um, Just playing European festivals or here. Mm, <laughs> the only, yeah, the only, big time. The only touring centers. Well, it is interesting. Like when I was talking to my mate about it, um, him seeing them at the palace. Yeah. Cause I think when, so when I got into them, I must've been in like grade six in primary school mm-hmm. and then saw them, I think early high school yeah. at, at festival hall but remember waiting a long time to see them live and i think on that tour they were supposed to come out travis broke his foot Mm -hmm. and then it was rescheduled for maybe four or five months later yeah um or did someone fill in i I did notice on there again i've done a lot of research into blink on wikipedia yesterday Mm. but there was like uh like fill in members list. And I think like the drummer from bad religion played drums for them for a yeah. while. Maybe after he, Travis Barker got in that like insane plane crash or something. As yeah. Well. Cause he doesn't fly anymore. Does he? No. Or at least as far as I understand, he doesn't like, yeah, cause I remember waiting for a long time for them to, to tour, yeah. which I think even back then I kind of knew that they were out here a lot. Yeah. And I think, you know, because Enema of the State had made them so big in the States mm. and Europe and places like that, they didn't need to... Need to come, come back to Australia, Australia who launched their career. Um, which is, yeah, kind of crazy to think about. That Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that I guess, you know, it's great to be popular in Australia, but you don't really want to get stuck in that. <laughs> no. And I mean, I guess as well, the other thing too with that is like the capacity to tour here is so finite in that unless you're like pink playing Mm. 10 shows in a row at rod laver or something like when you come to tour here you play four shows or five shows and then go i'd be interesting to see what places they have toured because i've seen other tours that were maybe a bit before that like i think fagazi did this like yeah wild tour of australia where they played like a bunch of country towns where I'm guessing whoever booked it was like, we're just going to book it like the States. Oh yeah. And, and didn't, didn't quite realize. But there was for sure a time that you could do that here too. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was the first tours I did were mm. like that, like two shows in Brisbane. Mm. Like I can't fathom doing that now. <laughs> like I can, oh, well, uh, right now I can't fathom ever going to Brisbane again. But yeah. like, I mean, like, yeah, and I mean, then there's other bands of my sort of time in playing music who 
got relentlessly teased for doing like 50 date Australian tours because mm. I think of the same thing, like working off a model of like, we want to be like bands in the US, so we'll go and do this and then play to like 14 people at the Ulla Dulla Youth mm. Centre. <laughs> you know? Like it's sort of one of those things where I wonder if, if someone sort of bit the bullet and did it again, would would like particularly now in the mm. you know context of covid and stuff like that yeah would would there be more of a, a a goal like more of a demand for it yeah i don't know i mean i think i think it's going to be really interesting seeing what happens with well doing playing shows and stuff like this now is going to be so bizarre anyway because mm. like i mean i've talked about this with a couple of people already but like i essentially could not think of anything more boring than watching like a live stream set oh, yeah. of a band playing. And like, I understand why bands are doing it. And like, that's fine if they want to do it. And it's great if their fans like it, but like I can watch videos of them playing on YouTube mm. of them playing live where they arguably play way better because they have a crowd to interact <laughs> with and they have, you know, they're receiving feedback on what they're doing as yeah. they're doing it, you know? Well, and I guess you either do that or you do the, you go the other way, the code orange motion capture. Yeah, way, I guess. Which I guess is something. <laughs> it's definitely something. It is. It's, uh, it is something. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I guess, you know, it, it's not too dissimilar, but I guess in, in a sense from like you guys not having the capacity to do stand up. Like, yeah. Well, it's been interesting, like talking to a lot of people that did like Zoom gigs mm. during lockdown, and um, I, I can't think of anything worse. Yeah. Um, but having said that, like I've seen a few people who've who did a lot of those gigs, and they were able to kind of get some bits out of it, and mm. it's still feedback in a sense. Um, yeah. Which I guess is easier. Um, there was one gig in Melbourne which was doing like you're on a stage camera pointing at you but there was also a bunch of screens right of the audience members which i think is better than just doing it out into the ether yeah yeah so there was at least you can see some reactions mm. that are slightly delayed <laughs> um yeah so but yeah i don't think like i don't think there's really how long do we keep watching live streams for yeah well and i mean and i think the, my other thing too is like you know, even the shows that are coming back, like I'm playing a show soon. There are some shows that are happening now, but they're all half capacity. Mm. Like at least in Melbourne, that's the seemingly that's the go is that it's 50%. I don't know. Again, I don't know what it's like for you guys doing stand up now. Is that what it's like or? Um, it's a bit of a mixed bag and some like almost the smaller venues are better place to put on better shows. Yeah. So uh, we do a bunch of gigs out of a venue in North Melbourne. Um, uh, it's called Club Voltaire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can put 25 people in there. And I think under 25, you don't have to distance. Right. And it feels good. Like yeah, it, yeah. It, it, It's like a good reaction. It's a good amount of people. The room's small enough for it to happen. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I saw footage or like just saw some Instagram stories of uh, that band Gutless played mm -hmm. at Old Bar. And yeah, that yeah. looked... Like, I was like, that's a normal show. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it kind of works because it's old bar, but at the same time, I was like, how's this going? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I think it, it, that that's probably where venues like that are getting um, 
Like old bar is probably in a great position. Yeah. Compared to, you know, the corner. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I like I think like, you know, the show that I'm playing is the Bendigo, and I think the 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 idea with that is it's fifty percent, but like. I think the venue capacity of that whole place is like 350 people. Mm. But it, to anyone who's fucking been there, when 350 people are in there, it sucks. Like it's oh, yeah. so packed and it's a nightmare. So I'm almost like stoked that it's <laughs> half capacity because at least then it's like, oh, you'll be able to stand and talk to people. And Yeah, well, I think the last show I went to the Bendigo was with you when Harm's Way were out here. Probably, yeah. Was that, that would have been... Maybe the November before all this, maybe? Or was that... Uh, no, it was a little while ago. A little while before that. But, like, that show was, like, a nightmare. Yeah, I couldn't see shit. And it was so hot, too. That's right. It was, like, scorching hot that yeah. day. Yeah. And, it's. I mean, it's been the same, like, obviously, anytime Mindsnare have played there, it's like, I mm. get why they want to do it, because it it's great being playing in the band mm. while that's happening in front of you. But it sucks being... <laughs> Like at the back of the room. Yeah. Well, and it was such a big difference, like having seen Mind Snare, um, you know, kind of go from the art house, which is obviously everyone jammed in. They didn't really have a home for a minute there. And there were yeah. some shows at different venues. And then the, the last few were at Bendigo. But then the, I think the last time I saw them played, or they played two shows at Stay Gold. Yeah. Um, which... Was great. great for that. Yeah. Because um, it was packed out. A lot of people came out of the woodwork for it. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm pretty sure the show was good. I was pissed out of my mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Me too. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I love a venue with a sunken uh, floor. And, and a venue that has a broad space to view things from. Which yeah. is why I think the art house was such a good place to go to shows mm. because the stage was pretty high yep. and the roof was really high. Yeah. So even if you were, I mean, I'm pretty tall, but it being at the back of the room was actually fine because you had like a broad scope that you could see within mm. whereas some other venues. And again, I, I like playing at the Bendigo. It's a, it's a fine place to play. But as a viewer watching a band in, when the room is filled with 350 people, the stage, I mean, the roof on, on the stage is like almost at my head. Mm. So, and the stage is only that far off the ground. <laughs> so if you're at the back of the room watching the band on the stage, like your scope of sight is like this. Like, so me, I can only see people's heads. So for people that are shorter than me, like yeah. being at the back sucks. Well, that's what I remember from that Harm's Way show because James is like the same height as me, right? Yeah, yeah, he's not very tall. And like... I'm not very tall. So I was like <laughs> trying to see the top of a short guy's head a bunch. On a stage this t much higher than yeah. where you're standing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think what was great about, you know, like stay goal for that mm. is it's like that rectangle shape. Yeah. Which for me, like that's perfect venue. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, there's a new comedy venue in Melbourne called Comedy Republic. Mm -hmm. And it's that kind of like comedy seller kind of rectangle shape yeah, yeah. where you can kind of curve people right around and I'm like that's love that that's awesome yeah um I remember like it was interesting kind of I guess like Blink-182 got me you know it, it is the start of mm. listening to a lot heavier music yeah and I remember going to see um Mind Stare at the Art House once yeah and I think the band Pro Team 
Yep. Supported. That'll make sense. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember like some old like Mindsnare fans like 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 laughing at protein <laughs> and going like this sounds like fucking blink one eight two. And I was kind of like at the time, so I admit, that's why I'm here, man. <laughs> like, like that's I how I got. Blink. That's how I got here, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it was that like a big thing. Like, like I feel like Blink was a big target for for like metal heads to be. Oh like, yeah, fuck this band. Yeah, did were you ever in that that pocket? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think uh, I think I. I think I was like pretty broadly accepting of stuff when I like started getting into music. And then became like a metal fuckhead for like mm. five years. As in like, I got into metal through listening to hip hop. Yeah. And for sure, for like two year, two or three years, I like would like pretend like I didn't like it, you know. Mm. And only liked metal and whatever. And then, but then I think all it took for me was like, realizing that like even the the people who were like the hardest hard out metal guys that I was friends with in school all dropped out like all just as soon as I could start drinking it was like nightclubs <laughs> like cut all their hair off mm. girls like all like completely bailed on the aesthetic we'd all devoted so much of our mm. energy to and then when I realized that that was like that's what happens when you're like the hard out. You can go one of two ways. Like you can be a hard out metal or punk or whatever dude for the rest of your life and like nothing else. Mm. And you probably never have a job and you probably you <laughs> like, wear vans to a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Or you go way too hard in it and then you just completely burn out on it and bail mm. on it altogether. And I think like my thing was just like, oh, I just love being a part of this stuff. And, and I think the other thing too, for me was like becoming friends with people, like people who I was friends with before I was into metal or before I was as deep into it, who I stayed friends with just cause I went to school with them or I worked with them or I hung around them or whatever. And then, um, getting into hardcore and stuff, which was kind of like the mix of where mm. that converged with one another in that, like, the people that I knew in school who liked pop punk when I was liking metal now liked hardcore and I could get down with that because my interpretation of hardcore was like, oh, this is just like softer metal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but not not realizing that there was like such an such a defined link between the two through mm. that. Which is funny now in that like obviously, you know, lots of our friends like the whole spectrum of it you know yeah well i think i mean you can really only go for so long mm. liking just punk music yeah and like i mean it surely just gets exhausting after a while like you're not gonna like any other songs i mean yeah i don't like i don't know how i mean the, the thing for me is like i i definitely like bizarrely can like the only sort of like constant music that I can always listen to no matter what is death metal, which is like bizarre. Like I don't, and I know that that's weird and I don't know why that is the case. And I think probably when I think about it, like sometimes I think about it when it's happening, like I'll drive to work to, to, to like go do something. It'll be like five thirty AM and I'll put on like obnoxious death metal <laughs> 
And I think it's because it's become like gray noise or mm. white noise rather. Like it's become just like, that's what you have on. I yeah. know that I can listen to it whenever because it's just kind of like background and particularly stuff that I've listened to a million times, even if it is like incredibly abrasive, I can still just like have it on and not really care. Mm. But like the other side of that is like the, the other thing that like has my brain has for some reason like really switched on to is like, I just, you know, I've like have a Spotify playlist. That's just like all songs that I just love the hooks of. Yeah. And so there's fucking, you know, like deep nineties R and B in it. <laughs> and like, and like when I say that, I mean like not popular nineties yeah. R and B, <laughs> like, like this deeper songs off records that had a number one hit kind of thing. So that's like the, where the spectrum goes for me now. But if you told 15-year-old me, mm. you're going to love this. This is a playlist you're going to put together. I'd be like, no fucking way. Like, I'm only going to listen to metal for the rest of my life. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's so interesting that, like, uh, I guess the other way that when you are into that heavy music and you do kind of listen to whatever, it's like you make a playlist and you like, you know, you might share it on, you know, Instagram or something mm. like that. And you realize like, oh, there's this like fucking brutal song in between oh, yeah, yeah. like these, you know, ballads or something that you've put together. So I, I think about how so many of the playlists I make are just like, this is just for me. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Like I couldn't share this with anyone else. Well, that, um, that Spotify top five thing was mm. like a real funny one last year. Cause it was like two relatively obscure death metal songs two popular death metal songs and Sharp Dressed Man by ZZ Top. <laughs> it was like, so the two things I've listened to the most are like two songs off this really obscure release, two songs off a very hyped popular death metal release and a song from Back to the Future. I've yeah. listened to like, for some reason, the fifth most of any song I've listened to this year is that song. <laughs> like, and like, I, I, when I saw that, I was like, I don't even really remember listening to this that much, but like, it's obviously in one of those playlists that's just like a hook that I love. Mm. So I'm fucking bumping sharp dress, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I looked at my Spotify like top for last year, and it was a there was a band uh, Gleamer in there, which are like yeah. a run run for cover mm-hmm. turnover cut band. Which I, I guess I you know I know that music is like. And like my justification was like, I went through a breakup last year. <laughs> like that's why my top five looks like that. <laughs> like I'm allowed. A bit sad. Yeah. Um, I'm getting through it. Yeah. I'm getting through it. I'm like, oh, this, this is not one I'm going to share this year. <laughs> I'm not going to give it a massive share this year. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting to kind of, yeah, I guess I definitely was like that for a few years where I was only like, you know, I only listened to like hardcore and stuff like yeah. that, but you can, yeah, I guess you got to kind of, you got to expand your horizons. Surely. Yeah, well, and I think I think the other thing too is like, I mean, not again, like while I gave him grief, but like those people who like dropped out to get into like going to clubs and getting into that sort of music, like at the same time, I guess to a lesser extent, I kind of did the same thing in that mm. like the shows I was playing, I was listening to the bands that I was playing with and the people that I was becoming friends with through going to those shows weren't all listening to death metal but mm. like so i just listened to that my i think the the realization for me really was that like i was adults everyone it's okay if everyone likes different stuff yeah 
You well, can still be friends with each other. You don't have to all like the same thing. Well, it was interesting that uh, we had a work Christmas party not too long ago yep. and uh, a colleague of ours, Andrew, I guess everyone's pretty pissed at this point. He came up to me and said, he's like, oh, you shared your old band, which mm. was like this band Crush I was in, which is like kind of 90s emo, Jimmy Eight World kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, I really like the song. And then he pointed to you and was like, I don't like your stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I like, I like that as well. It's like, <laughs> like, like, because, but I understand like, you've got to have gone through the, the thing. Yeah. Like you've got to have like, you know, heard Blink-182 and then heard something slightly heavier and go, oh yeah, I like this as well. Yeah. And cause I remember years ago, you know, I liked the metal I liked was like, you know, Metallica and stuff like sure. that. And then someone played me like Converge mm. and I was just like, what is this? I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> but now they're like one of my favorite bands. Yeah, sure. Um, and it was just interesting that, you know, a few years later I came back around to them and was like, oh yeah, I went, you know, I've listened just on that gradual, yeah, that shift to them. Yeah. And I get, I mean, I guess that's the other thing too, is like, <clears throat> I suppose a big thing with being into music that comes like very deeply rooted in like a strange subculture that isn't like, that isn't for everyone. And I mean, it, it's, it's quite interesting for me too, with people who get into like get into metal or something, say, or, or punk or stuff like this, like that look deeper into blink more than just like the, mm. the big songs like who do have, you know, other big interests in their life. Cause I mean, I think the, the big thing for me with getting so deep into this stuff was because of that was my, that was like what consumed my being. Yeah. Like that was all I wanted to pay attention to in school. Big time. Whereas oh. like, I think a lot of people who like, you know, played sport, for example, maybe didn't spend as much time sitting on fucking LimeWire downloading mm. music videos because they were playing sport. You yeah, know, like. I, I definitely remember that with like looking, you know, I think about Dude Ranch and yeah. it was an album I loved so much that I, you know, I just spend hours like pouring over the the, the CD jacket kind yeah, of thing yeah. and just like looking at, you know, reading all the lyrics reading who the band thanked. Yeah, yeah. Listening, you know, trying to get those bands and then they had like a mailbox that you could send stuff to and like, yeah. you know, send them a self-stamped envelope <laughs> and they'll send you a sticker pack or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like you were just looking for any more information about yeah. it. And and I guess that's why, you know, when the internet did pop up, you could find all that information and find out, you know, why did the drummer get booted from the yeah, band. Yeah. And it's weird to think that there was a time where that information was hard to find. Whereas yeah. now, like you said, it's all there on Wikipedia. Yeah. And someone did, did all my research for this. Just collected it, collated it for you. <laughs> yeah. Easy. I didn't have to troll the fan, the, <laughs> uh, the message boards. I think, yeah, I mean, I think that that's another, like another, I guess, strange aspect of how this grew and developed as well was that, you know, at one point, you know, this was a deep, like this record in particular is like a deep cut, I guess, essentially. Mm. So finding this at a time would have been really difficult for a lot of people here, Mm. even though it's technically it's on a major label, like, you know, maybe maybe it was easier than others to find, but like... Well, it might have been a a thing where it was probably at, you know, I don't know how long... You know, I remember going into the city and, yeah, going to, like, 
gaslight music and like missing link and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, they absolutely would have had dude ranch. Yeah. Or maybe even JB had it. Like yeah. JB kind of was, had all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it would have, you know, wouldn't be insanity, but then no. enter of the state comes out and then it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like, I mean, I remember, well, I mean, there was a time where, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I've talked about it before, but like that when they're, yeah, it was a time where it was like one CD would cost like $40. Oh, yeah. Like, time. and so you'd be like, you'd save money to get two re- two CDs or whatever. Mm. There was a time where CDs cost like fuck all, like 10 years before that or five years before that. But then for some reason it became like very, I mean, and then I, I remember there was another big thing. And again, maybe this was just in Canberra, but it was like, there was a big thing about like importing CDs. Like mm. there was no distro. Even if stuff was on like a major label, it just didn't get sent to Australia for whatever reason. So yeah. you'd have to import it. And then that'd cost like 10 bucks more. And you'd be waiting like a fucking month to get it. Whereas obviously now you can get whatever you want, whenever you want. Like, mm. I mean, not only just from the internet, but like physically you can get it as well pretty quick now, you know? Yeah. It's kind of... Um I'm not really buying many records anymore and I've kind of cut that right back. But talking to my two housemates about it, they're both still collectors and they're like, yeah, yeah they're, you know, we were talking about how we don't try not to use Amazon, but yeah. they have shit on there that it's like, fuck, like this is hard how to get. going to get it? Yeah. This is hard to get and they've got it. Mm. Like it's easy. Like, and I can click a button. I've got this really rare record at my do- doorstep in mm. like two weeks. Yeah, well, and I mean, I guess like, you know, that's that's the thing you got you kind of got to ration mm. rationalize within your own head, like how yeah. you, how you justify. <laughs> Do I keep paying this bald fuck <laughs> and giving him more money? Well, I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> you got you got to do something. Um. All right. Well, that's uh that's a pretty good place to bloody wrap it up, mate. Sounds good. Thanks for coming and doing this and thanks for helping facilitate no worries. my dining room into a place <laughs> to film and record a podcast. Oh, good. I was, it was fun. I, um, we didn't really talk too much about the actual songs on the album, but I think like you, you gotta, you, you know, have the, the album there, listen through. Yeah. And I, yeah. I have this fancy thing that I could have pressed play on and <laughs> We didn't, so. Uh, but yeah, I think it's like that's it's so interesting that it's so accessible now. Like, it just bring all these albums up on Spotify. It's like, yeah, yeah. I wonder if how many people have like kind of gone back and 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 listened to it. Well, anyone who's listened to this, that's your next instruction at the pod. <laughs> Particularly the song Waggy, which I didn't know that I liked, and I really liked. Great song. Yeah. I'm still trying to learn the lyrics. <laughs> For the next karaoke session, yeah, um, you'll be ready. Sending it to everyone in the room so they can <laughs> actually along, know the song. Sing along with you. All right. Thanks, mate. No worries. Cheers.